Hello, Doing It Disabled. Welcome back to another episode. I am your co-host, Catalina. I'm your co-host, Haley. And today we have a wonderful guest with us. We have Fallon Kizunga. Hi! (laughs) And Fallon is going to tell us a little bit about herself and and get us going on on this episode. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, there's always the a little bit about me. Um <laughs> I am a I just got my bachelor's in biology, double minored in psych and biblical Woo-hoo! studies, so that's fun. Casual. Um, Casual. Um <laughs> I'm a certified <laughs> clinical medical assistant. I work in a pediatric uh outpatient clinic and I love it. I love the kids, so that's really <sighs> fun. And I'm eventually applying to PA school, so and like the rest of you guys, I'm also disabled. I have PMDD, which is what we're going to talk about. So, yay! Thank you so much for coming on to talk with us about PMDD and about your life. And um, I just love that we have three healthcare baddies on an episode right now. Period. I just wanted to cut in in for a second and say that Fallon and I met via Instagram. I think it's going to be two over two years now. Yep. Yeah. So I was able to find. I think think it was right when she started. Yeah, when I started the humorous med, and I was finally able to meet Fallon in Indianapolis. She came over for the American Academy of Physician Assistants conference in May of last year, and we've become friends. And I've been able to hang out with her since when I was studying for my board exam. But it's been awesome watching her like go through school and now finish her degree and getting ready to become a PA essentially. So. I'm just, uh, I'm really excited for her and for everyone to get to know her. But also, this was a condition that I was not particularly aware of, nor really educated on going through school. So I think it's really important to shed light on the topic. It reminds me of when I was like just diagnosed with POTS, how a lot of people didn't know about it, but it's very common and underdiagnosed. Mm. So, Alan, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, and well, do we know why it's underdiagnosed? Can we all take a gander and a guess? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yes. We can all we can all guess. It's all it's an understood line. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Fallon, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And I didn't learn about it until gosh, my junior year of college when I started taking my psych minor classes found in the DSM five. I'm sure we all find a lot of things in there. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you go through the phase, you're like, I have this, I have this, I have this when you're like, but when I read the um, descriptions and the symptoms, I was like, wow, this sounds like a lot of what I go through every month. And I, I would say that I've had PMDD since I was 17 and never knew like my periods were really bad. Like it, <laughs> I would like throw up. I would be super shaky and sick. And mind you, like I was an athlete. I was super involved in school. Like I was always doing things. So it wasn't like anything that I just was a a homebody, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I was very active. So it was weird that my periods were so heavy and so just whacked me out. It was bad. And so I was like, oh, okay. All right. Maybe. And then I just kind of let it go after that. And then during the pandemic, I feel like with most people with mental health and disabilities, it was like, oh, this is like actually something we need to look into. So I did a lot of research. I was reading a lot of um, like research papers and clinical studies because there's sadly not a ton. Um, 
with that. And I was like, no, this is actually something, this is a problem. Because with premenstrual dysphoric disorder, a lot of people are like, oh, you just had bad PMS. And I was like, I wish I just had bad PMS. But mm. but PMDD is different for everyone. But a lot of telltale symptoms, telltale symptoms is it'll start seven to 14 days before your period. Because once my period would hit, I was fine. I felt normal. I, I, the best way I tell people is like, you're like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. You're like two totally different people. It's kind of scary, which sadly is funny because a lot of people who have uteruses get misdiagnosed with rapid bipolar disorder instead of premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And you're like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I didn't get diagnosed with that. Um, at the time during the pandemic, I got diagnosed with major depressive disorder, which understandable we were all going through a lot and I'm very extroverted and it was my super senior year and everything got wrecked so made sense Mm -hmm. to me but I was like someday's still up with my periods because I would get extremely fatigued like extremely fatigued I would get super nauseous I would have um trigger warning I would have like suicidal thoughts suicidality like very heavily every month but as soon as my period would come it was gone I was fine I was like now (laughs) This is not normal. And even in high school, I remember I would tell my friends, like, my peers coming, like, my mood would drastically change. And they're like, I'm like, does anyone else ever feel like they just want to, like, not be here before the period gets here? And they're like, no. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was Excuse like, me? <laughs> I was like, y'all feel this way every month? They're like, um, no, we get some cramping, and, you know, like other normal things. But they're like, it's nothing like what I was going through, which was in itself validating, but also very isolating because I was like, you know, maybe it's all in my head. And like, as a black woman, I get gaslit a lot with my health and with anything. So it's like, oh, you just had this or you just had bad periods. So let's put you on birth control. And I was like, I don't think that's gonna help per se. It helped me not throw up anymore, which I'm thankful, but it didn't help with the actual underlying issue. So I was like, no, that's it. We got, we got to figure out something because something's wrong. So this past summer, actually, I did more extensive research and I was like, it's to the point because I also like had moved from Georgia to Illinois. So, you know, tr- life transitions is very difficult and that can cause anxiety and depression. But I was like, no, this is literally surrounding the time of my period. Like something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, I was like, I really do have this. Like I do have PMDD and this is like an actual thing. And I have, I'm trying to find it. Like it, there's like different symptoms and it's so odd. Like once I started like looking it up and finding hashtags and like, different things. I was like, wow, other people deal with this. I'm not alone. Like even like heart palpitations, guys, like I get ex- like extensive heart palpitation, chest pains, and it's not anxiety. Wow. I-, I am an anxiety girl and that is okay. Okay. <laughs> we take medication for it, but I'm like, there's a difference between my anxiety and my PMDD. Like they are not the same. And I had to yeah. learn that too. Cause some people are like, or oh, maybe you're just anxious. And I'm like, no, that's not it either. There's something else wrong. Like I, I would know my body. So it's just been a really it's been a really weird journey, but it's been really beautiful because now I have answers for myself and it just showed me to continue to advocate for me and probably for hundreds of other people who have this or misdiagnosed or they feel crazy. And it's like, you're not crazy at all. You're not alone. So it's been really interesting to navigate that and I'm still figuring it out, but I was like, great. I mean, I feel like the common thread with so many disabilities and conditions and chronic illnesses is that we constantly have to make a case for ourselves. Like we have to beg to be heard. And I know that happened with Haley. 
that happened with me, I was in pain for a year before my femur finally broke with, with cancer, you know, like it's like what we, we know our bodies and we constantly have to advocate for ourselves. It's like, it's infuriating, but that's the only way we get shit done. And to, to think that you, since you were what you said, 17 or Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. Since 17 that you've been dealing with, you know, uh, PMDD and and just it's been like discounted as anxiety as you know just PMS and I mean goddamn <laughs> it's, it's rough out here I'm like no yeah there's a lot of layers to this and not in any particular order but first being being a black woman being a woman um constantly getting gaslit because you look quote unquote healthy then another layer to it is at least me and this is my personal opinion when it comes to anything like gynecological women and people with uteruses are often just dismissed or like things aren't taken as seriously um there's like so a lot of like stigma even in medicine and with medical providers in that specialty so it's just like over and over again hurdles that you had to go over and not to say that it's to the same extent as you but I vividly remember being I want to say I was about 21 at the time or maybe even younger than that and I had been put on birth control because I had uh, bilateral ovarian cysts and my bleeding was like three weeks out of the month super heavy like passing out and things So they put me on birth control and mind you, the birth control was great in regards to regulating my period. But after like four or five years, I realized that I was getting so depressed when I was on my period or about to get my period that I thought I couldn't make any life decisions that I didn't want to like really be alive. And I thought, is this normal? So I brought it up to my provider and she said, oh yeah, they put an FDA warning on the pill that you're on a couple months ago that it could cause suicidal thoughts and ideation. Um, Let's get you off of that. And mind you, she switched me off the pill. I never had a problem again in regards to those feelings and emotions. But it was just like, yeah, she's on it. Let's just let her ride the wave. Like, yeah. (laughs) Um, but I wouldn't have known because I was scared to ask those questions. And I was scared to ask my friends, like, do you feel like this? Or is it just me or assuming everybody feels this way? My favorite is when we're like, you know, when like you like keel over and like want to die and like feel like you would rather be six feet under the ground. And they're like, no, no. <laughs> It makes me think of that TikTok trend with Taylor Swift's song and it's like horrified looks from everyone in the room and you're like, oh, the rest of you don't feel like this? Oh, it's just, what? It's just me? Wait, that didn't happen to you when you were a kid? Oh, this is awkward. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I gotta, I gotta dip, you know? Yeah. Well, and then also you're like, hmm, you have privilege. <laughs> right. And it's also just like, Thankfully, like with the people in my life have been so supportive and very yeah. sympathetic because obviously they'll never understand what I go through. But the extensive of the research and trying to find different doctors, like I went through a couple PCPs up here before I felt like I was semi heard. But at this point, I was like, I know this is what I have. 
I'm dealing with this on my own, but we also need to address the other things that are going on. So, so I've been really thankful for that. Cause it's just like, this is not normal. And back then, what 17 so like 2014 all we knew was barely about pcos and endometriosis yeah so i was like maybe that's what i have but i didn't have any of the other symptoms that you normally get with that and i was like no this isn't it (laughs) so i was like we're gonna scratch that out maybe i just have bad periods yeah morning like oh and i found the statistic it's one in 20 women it says women i like using uterus owners because some people have them you know they have different identities So people who own a uterus is one in 20, but I know there's more because most of them are often either misdiagnosed or rapid bipolar disorder or they're undiagnosed and they're like, oh, you just have bad PMS, take birth control. And it's like, okay, but that's not helping. Like this is not giving, like it's not getting to the root of the problem. I was like, what is going on? Well, and it's, it just goes back to like through all of history where it's like, oh, you're just hysterical. Like, <laughs> oh, don't you love those stories in the in the historical textbooks and the medical textbooks? You're like, yep, you had a period, you had to go sit out in the woods in a hole for a week, and I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah. Which I find so interesting. Not that I know too much about this topic, okay, mind you, but I do know that in some cultures, when women on are on their period, they're like super taken care of. Mm-hmm. It's like this like almost holy time you know for yes. them to rest and recover as and, it should be right and that's more i think in like eastern culture in some practices um and and countries but yeah so mm-hmm. you also have like that parallel but i very much feel that like in america it's like that it's like oh she's she's out we can't use her right now let's uh yep. she's clearly emotionally <laughs> unstable and uh you know, that's why she's acting this way right now. Could, could no, it be like, anything else? She right. needs to be institutionalized. She needs right. to as be if, just, as if we can't contact not. her for 72 hours minimum. Like, <laughs> <laughs> as if men don't have psychological and emotional periods, but we won't talk about that today because mm. the people are not ready. Yeah, like, everyone has a different hormonal cycle and ours yeah. is usually about 28 to, you know, 34 days, let's say, or 21 to 34 days. And men are, are more like on a 28-day cycle hormonally. Yeah. Well, Fallon, I wanted to touch back um, in the beginning of the episode, you talked, well, in your introduction, um, you know, you said that you are disabled. And I think that that is a super powerful label to own and identify with. Um, and often um, I find that individuals with chronic illnesses that, you know, don't require like a mobility aid or something like that, people try to like steer clear from the label of disability. And I, I think it's um, really powerful that you identify as disabled. Is there, was there a moment in your life where you were like, actually, yes, this applies to me or has it always just kind of been like, I don't know. I feel like there's usually stigma and all that stuff that people don't yeah. want to oh, attach I, that. Girly pop. We, listen, this was <laughs> a journey. It still is because in the beginning when I, Okay, I can't believe this is just last summer. It feels like forever ago. But I was like, dang, this is a problem. And I'm like looking up because I, I didn't I didn't want to throw around the word disabled if I wasn't actually that. But I'm like, chronic illness is a disability and that's okay. And like you said, like just because I don't have a mobility aid or I don't quote unquote look disabled, which is also very just 
Mm-mm. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> um, I learned, I'm like, I am disabled and that's okay. I remember one time I said it like out loud once and I was like, yeah, like I, I, I am disabled. And someone was like, well, don't say that. And I'm like, well, I am. I literally have a chronic illness that affects my everyday life. If I don't manage it correctly, that is a disability and it's okay. Yeah. And I've had to learn that. And it was hard again, like in general. And I, and I, I am a black woman, so I'm going to keep bringing it back to that. Like in the black community, mental health is such a taboo and the strong independent black woman is such a big thing. And it's like, okay, but being strong also means taking care of myself and being strong looks different than just, I'm fine. I don't need anybody's help because hyper independence is also a huge problem. And it's like, no, I do need help. I am disabled and that is okay. That doesn't make me any less of a woman, doesn't make me any less of a future provider or a black person in general. It's just showing that you can be disabled and still live your life. You know, you just have to find a different way to do it. Absolutely. So it took a while for me to get there, but now I'm like, no, I am disabled. And I remember Haley and I talking at the the conference last year and it's like, we are spoonies, you know, we use the spoon theory very heavily and it Mm -hmm. it helped me a lot. My roommate actually told me about that. She's a therapist. She's the best. Um, But she taught me about the spoon theory and I was like, wow, this is a new way to like, manage and engage my mental health and my emotional capacity and where I'm at. And it's changed the game for me. I'm like, everyone honestly is, is a spoonie in some way, shape or form. And they just need to get on the spoon theory train because it helps. <laughs> 100%. I think I totally get that for us to communicate with each other, like our energy levels and where we're at. And again, like Fallon says anyone in general, Fallon, having said that, I did want to segue into, because I know that you've done so much work in the process of getting your diagnosis, but also work in managing your symptoms, managing how you're feeling, and just a lot of self-work that you've done. Could you share with us some things that you have personally done that you feel have helped you that could help others? Because I know that you've brought up to me, you know, people have messaged you on Instagram and you've been able to connect with others who have gotten the diagnosis. I know one of the things that you spoke to me about was like a log or almost like a symptom diary. Yeah. So I, um, it, it just between my therapist and me and just all like the whole team, it has helped a lot to do. I do do a symptom log every day, which, you know, can be tedious, but I think it's kind of fun. And I eventually want to make like a PMDD journal tracker for other people to make it easier because I've been doing this kind of on my own from scratch with like no like expertise help in a sense. Um, But yeah, so every day I take a different set of vitamins. So like vitamin C, I take like elderberry, I take, um, it's like a three in one iron, magnesium and zinc that helps a lot. Um, and I take this one called, uh, I think it's Miss Mellow. It's by Ollie. It's great. But I only take that one during my PMDD week. So basically it's like, I have one good week, you know, and then the symptoms start to slowly trickle in. Cause mine, mine starts like mine lasts for two weeks, my PMDD symptoms. So I have to like be more aware. And then when my period comes, I can like take away some vitamins, but I also have had to learn like during my PMDD weeks, I have to get nine to 10 hours of sleep or I will not be functioning well. I am usually doing yoga before bed and very like decompressing myself and like being real, not strict, but following a regimen that is honoring my body and, you know, my soul and having to do that and like learning, like there's some things I can't do during those weeks and that is okay because I'm not going to be fully functioning and fully there and present. And I don't want that for me or anyone I'm hanging out with. So 
actually have a whole list on my bulletin board. It says, um, healing your body, boo. That's what I call it. (laughs) So like, I I, like drink a ton of water. I drink like 96 ounces of water a day. I journal, like I track my symptoms, even during my good week, just to make sure like where I'm at emotionally, like how much sleep am I getting, the exercise I'm doing, um, and even stuff that'll help me. So I meal prep a lot now. And I know for some people, like, it's like, I don't want to eat the same stuff. I'm over here making like three different types of meals for my different <laughs> that are quick though, because I, I run out of spoons. I'm like, I'm not about to be in the kitchen for 12 hours. Oh so. my God. Yes. So that helps during my PMDD week. Cause I, I, I don't have the spoons to cook at that point, but it's like, great. I literally can throw it in the microwave, throw it in a toaster oven. And it's something that's still good. And I'm still nourishing my body and honoring that. So I've had to learn how to juggle all of that. And also, like, I drink, like, um, I also, another symptom of mine, they just keep popping up, is I get really bad insomnia during mm. my PMDD week. So I am not sleeping. So I found, um, I used to use melatonin, which I learned is actually a disruptor for your sleep. So I was like, well, let's get off that and found a natural, um, like, sleep aid that I take. And I take um, this calming tea that helps with, um, like, premenstrual stuff, which is great. My roommate actually got it for me for Christmas because she has just been really supportive and it helps me a lot and it helps me go to sleep because I used to be, it, I'd be up till 3 a.m. like trying to go to sleep and I have to work and get up at six and I'm just like not fully present. I'm discombobulated. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to be working like that. So, and just listening, I've just had to be more in tune with my body and doing more check-ins and just having to be aware, which sometimes is really hard because I think we're taught, especially as women, to not pay attention to our knees or to worry about everybody else. And it's like, you're last. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm literally first because if I don't take care of me, I can't take care of the people I care about the way I want to and that they need to be taken care of. So, so yeah, I just have like a little list and like, I make sure I exercise, even if it's just like, I used, I was a dual athlete in college. So I had three practices a day. So I was going to soccer practice, I was going to swim practice. In hindsight, I was like, I don't know if that was the best, but I had to learn that, now that I'm not a college athlete, that moving my body is so important and I can honor that in other ways. So I personally like doing dance videos or I've gotten more into yoga, which is really nice, but like dancing. And sometimes I do hit, I still like intensive workouts, but knowing that moving my body unconventionally is still fine. I also roller skate. Yeah. Like I love going outside and rolling around. That's a good exercise too. So just learning to like take each chapter differently. And sometimes you have to revamp, you know, your regimen The things will change and sometimes you can stick with what you got. So thankfully I've been able to do things more holistically and that has helped a ton. Like I have not had suicidal thoughts in over a year now, which is the first time in a year. So victory. I just feel more present and more with myself and even like with sleeping and eating and not as bloated. Like I still have a little bit of rough weeks depending with outside factors with stress, but it's, it's been a journey and it's been really nice to feel like myself and be myself and also know that I'm disabled and it's okay. I mean, mic drop. Like I like everything you said. Yeah. Fallon has just done so much work. Uh, like on herself and for this and also something that like I jokingly say to myself when I'm doing things is oh I'm I'm doing this for future Haley and Mm. when you have a condition like Fallon's or really any condition I think we have to very much like be present and think okay if I have the energy now if I feel good now or if I know this is going to happen a week from now then I need to prepare accordingly now when Mm -hmm. I feel okay enough to do so so that then yeah. I'm not like dying, you know? Yep. Yep. 100%. And that's really important. And like Fallon said, as women, we're 
always like nurturing, always taking care of other people. And with a condition like this, you really do have to put yourself first so that you can be available for everyone else. If that's what, you know, needs, that's what what you need and what needs to be done. Yep. So I'm just so happy to have had Fallon on. Like, thank you, Fallon. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. I, I, I love both of you. So this is- Oh my gosh. Cool. This was so special. And Fallon, I, I mean, everything that you're doing, like- I'm just so excited to keep following. And I, and I, I mean, I'm excited to see those, you know, journals, those, um, that's what I want. PMDD trackers, the journal, because it's going to help so many people. I even think people who don't necessarily have PMDD or maybe they're in that like undiagnosed process could use Mm -hmm. it to see if they're like meeting the criteria from the DSM five or if they have something else going on. I just think it's helpful overall. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You could have a whole line. You could have one like for PMDD. You could have one for like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You could have one for like, this is what happens when I eat this. Like, yeah. I don't know. So many cool things. I mean, and I'm sure Haley would, you know, put that on the humorous med or the quirks or wherever. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so cool. And I'm just so grateful, Fallon, that you took the time to come chat with us. And oh, I'm just, I feel like I've gained another another beautiful soul in my life. We always have, we always have fun. <laughs> yes. I, I am really honored to be on here. And this has been really cool to speak about this, like for the first time ever, like on a public platform. Cause I've been trying to figure out how to post about it on social media. I do like little drops here and there, but I'm like, this is a good way to start. And it's a continuous thing. And we're all educating each other and all supporting one another because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed yeah. to be a community. So I'm really thankful to have you guys in my community and be fellow Spoonies together. So, Yay, Spoons! And Fallon, <laughs> before, before we wrap up our episode, I do want everyone to know where they can follow you, where they can reach out to you. Can you let us know your Instagram handles, any social media platforms before we let you go? Of course. Um, my Instagram is Fowl's Road to PAC. So it's pretty simple. Um, and then my TikTok is Jimmy. I think it's Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy underscore Fallon. Hopefully maybe (laughs) I'll start a YouTube. We'll see. I haven't done anything yet, but people I'm most active on Instagram. So at Fowl's Road PAC, you can message me anytime, any questions and I'll answer them when I can for sure. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you so, so so much. Thanks you guys. It's been a blast. (laughs) Until next time. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can. The Instagram is at doingitdisabled. The email is doingitdisabledpodpod at gmail.com. Thank you again, Fallon. Thank you, Kata, for always doing this with me. I love you guys. And oh, I love we'll you. you. We love you. <laughs> lot of love here. <laughs> Bye. So much love. Bye. Bye. <laughs>